0: Section 5 of Confessions, Volumes 3 and 4 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Gieson Confessions, Volumes 3 and 4 By Jean-Jacques Rousseau Anonymously translated Section 5 I never recollect to have enjoyed the future with such force of illusion as at that time. And what has particularly struck me in the recollection of this reverie is that when realized I found my situation exactly as I had imagined it. If ever waking dream Had an appearance of a prophetic vision, It was assuredly this. I was only deceived in its imaginary duration, For days, years, and life itself Passed ideally in perfect tranquillity, While the reality lasted but a moment. Alas! my most durable happiness was but as a dream which i had no sooner had a glimpse of than i instantly awoke i know not when i should have done if i was to enter into a detail of all the follies that affection for my dear madame de Varence made me commit when absent from her How often have I kissed the bed, on a supposition that she had slept there! The curtains and all the furniture of my chamber, on recollecting they were hers, and that her charming hands had touched them! Nay, the floor itself, when I considered she had walked there! Sometimes, even in her presence, extravagances escaped me, which only the most violent passions seemed capable of inspiring. In a word, there was but one essential difference to distinguish me from an absolute lover, and that particular renders my situation almost inconceivable." i had returned from italy not absolutely as i went there but as no one of my age perhaps ever did before being equally unacquainted with women my ardent constitution had found resources in those means by which youth of my disposition sometimes preserve their purity at the expense of health, vigour, and frequently of life itself. My local situation should likewise be considered. Living with a pretty woman, cherishing her image in the bottom of my heart, seeing her during the whole day, at night surrounded with objects that recalled her incessantly to my remembrance, and sleeping in the bed where I knew she had slept. What a situation! Who can read this without supposing me on the brink of the grave? but quite the contrary. That which might have ruined me, acted as a preservative at least for a time. Intoxicated with the charm of living with her, with the ardent desire of passing my life there, absent or present, I saw in her a tender mother, an amiable sister, a respected friend, but nothing more meantime her image filled my heart, and left room for no other object. The extreme tenderness with which she inspired me excluded every other woman from my consideration, and preserved me from the whole sex. In a word, I was virtuous because I loved her. Let these particulars, which I recount but indifferently, be considered, and then let any one judge what kind of attachment I had for her. For my part, all I can say is that if it hitherto appears extraordinary, it will appear much more so in the sequel. My time passed in the most agreeable manner though occupied in a way which was by no means calculated to please me such as having projects to digest bills to write fair receipts to transcribe herbs to pick drugs to pound or distillations to attend and in the midst of all this came crowds of travellers, beggars, and visitors of all denominations. Sometimes it was necessary to converse at the same time with a soldier, an apothecary, a prebendary, a fine lady, and a lay brother. I grumbled, swore, and wished all this troublesome medley at the devil, while she seemed to enjoy it, laughing at my chagrin till the tears ran down her cheeks. What excited her mirth still more was to see that my anger was increased by not being able myself to refrain from laughter these little intervals, in which I enjoyed the pleasure of grumbling, were charming. And if, during the dispute, another importunate visitor arrived, she would add to her amusement by maliciously prolonging the visit, meantime casting glances at me, for which I could almost have beat her nor could she without difficulty refrain from laughter on seeing my constrained politeness though every moment glancing at her the look of a fury while even in spite of myself i thought the scene truly diverting all this without being pleasing in itself Contributed to amuse, because it made up a part of a life which I thought delightful. Nothing that was performed around me, nothing that I was obliged to do, suited my taste, but everything suited my heart, and I believe, at length, I should have liked the study of medicine had not my natural distaste to it perpetually engaged us in whimsical scenes that prevented my thinking of it in a serious light? It was perhaps the first time that this art produced mirth. I pretended to distinguish a physical book by its smell and what was more diverting was seldom mistaken. Madame de Varence made me taste the most nauseous drugs. In vain I ran or endeavoured to defend myself. Spite of resistance or wry faces, spite of my struggles or even of my teeth, when I saw her charming fingers approach my lips. I was obliged to give up the contest. When shut up in an apartment with all her medical apparatus, anyone who heard us running and shouting amidst peals of laughter would rather have imagined we had been acting a farce than preparing opiates or elixirs. My time, however, was not entirely passed in these fooleries. In the apartment which I occupied, I found a few books. There was The Spectator, Puffendorf, Saint-Evremont, and the Henriade. Though I had not my old passion for books, yet I amused myself with reading a part of them. The spectator was particularly pleasing and serviceable to me. The abbé de Gauvin had taught me to read less eagerly, and with a greater degree of attention, which rendered my studies more serviceable. I accustomed myself to reflect on elocution and the elegance of composition exercising myself in discerning pure french from my provincial idiom for example i corrected an orthographical fault which i had in common with all genevese by these two lines of the henriade soit qu'un ancien respect pour le sang de leur maître Parla encore pour lui dans le cœur de ses traîtres. I was struck with the word parlat, and found a T was necessary to form the third person of the subjunctive, whereas I had always written and pronounced it parla, as in the present of the indicative. Sometimes my studies were the subject of conversation with Madame de Varence. Sometimes I read to her, in which I found great satisfaction. And as I endeavoured to read well, it was extremely serviceable to me. I have already observed that her mind was cultivated. Her understanding was at this time in its meridian several people of learning having been assiduous to ingratiate themselves had taught her to distinguish works of merit but her taste if i may so express myself was rather protestant ever speaking warmly of belle and highly esteeming saint Evremont, though long since almost forgotten in france but this did not prevent her from having a taste for literature, or expressing her thoughts with elegance. She had been brought up with polite company, and coming young to Savoy, by associating with people of the best fashion, had lost the affected manners of her own country where the ladies mistake wit for sense and only speak in epigram though she had seen the court but superficially that glance was sufficient to give her a competent idea of it and notwithstanding secret jealousies and the murmurs excited by her conduct and running in debt She ever preserved friends there, and never lost her pension. She knew the world, and was useful. This was her favourite theme in our conversations, and was directly opposite to my chimerical ideas, though the kind of instruction I particularly had occasion for. We read La Bruyere together he pleased her more than la rochefoucauld who is a dull melancholy author particularly to youth who are not fond of contemplating man as he really is in moralizing she sometimes bewildered herself by the length of her discourses but by kissing her lips or hand from time to time I was easily consoled, and never found them wearisome. End of section five. Recording by Martin Geeson, in Hazelmere, Surrey.